Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Broadcasting from the Leadership Academy Studios, aka my new basement, welcome to the Driven Entrepreneur. You know, this is the go-to plan for coaches, authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds to start, grow, and profit a business that you love. I'm your host, Matt Browning, and today uh, we are back with a Driven Entrepreneur interview. Love the early interviews because I'm always bringing in some specialists, some expertise that are really resources and pillars to help prop you up and build you in your business. Um, you can learn a little bit of their life and business lessons from their origin story, and, and really, we're always exploring how phenomenal entrepreneurs became who they are. And the story tends to be tied in, of course, to uh, what the work is. And that's probably what you're doing too. Well, today, it's no different. I have Miss Nancy Abramson. Now, Nancy, uh, she's been helping overwhelmed service-based business owners. So that's you if you are the business, if you have a service as a business uh, who are struggling or have once struggled to be able to take time off, uh, yet you want to increase your revenue, um, you might need to add employees. Ultimately, she helps people become business owners instead of business doers and not being your own employee. You can actually start enjoying your life. Uh, excited to have Nancy. She's an expert in this and finding healthy work-life boundaries and balance. Nancy, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here and I'm doing great. How are you today? Wow. I mean, I can't get better than, you know, an honor. Like if only everyone in my life when I walked in the room, said, it's an honor <laughs> to speak with you. So thanks for that. Nancy, you have a, a pretty interesting story about, uh, you know, in your workplace, you were, I know you were working hard, you were getting a little stressed out, overwhelmed, and you found yourself like a lot of us did, whether it's in corporate or even working for ourselves. Can you tell us a bit about what your life was like when you were living in the stressful place? Um, and yeah, and wherever you want to start with that. Absolutely. So, I was the poster child for you've got to get good grades in school so you can get into a good college, so you can get a good job, so you can work really hard and then have your great life later. I grew up in New York. I was working in Manhattan and I was doing what was expected of me and what everybody, like, I, I didn't know it could be any different working insane hours and I was in the corporate world and I was in corporate accounting. I started out public accounting and then corporate accounting. So there were maybe three weeks out of every month that I was slammed working until 10, 11 o'clock at night, every night. Like in my office, looking out dark hallways, just trying to catch up and get everything done. And I was good at what I did, but I didn't love it or certainly not anymore. And I didn't know it could be any different. And my last job in the corporate world, I was the CFO of a business and I helped them get sold to a London publicly held company for millions. And that was an exhausting experience going through cleaning up the books and auditing all the years and 
having the sale go through and it was successful. And then after that, I was really burnt out. And how long was that window? I don't know if it was a hard line, but I mean, is this like a nine month process roughly when they say, Hey, Nancy, uh, we're going to get, be getting ready to get sold. Walk us through just kind of briefly, like what, what, what's that process like? Cause I think that that might be a dream of some entrepreneurs, right? Hey, I want to get acquired at some point. How long is that whole process for that company? Uh, so for the company, yeah. And they mentioned to me during the interview process that they might want to try to get, go to market again. And I was at the company for maybe a week, week and a half when they, one of the owners said, Hey, I've got a meeting Thursday. Maybe you should come with us. And the process was off and running and it was probably about nine months. I don't, I can't say for certain off the top of my head. But somewhere but, in that range. I mean, you, I just wanted to set the frame. You're talking nine months yeah. of pretty consistent stress and work, work, work towards something. That's, it's a lot yeah. longer than, you know, a, a two week thing. Especially if the acquiring business is publicly traded and if you've never done any audits on your business. Like if you're a small business, you probably have not done any audits. If you're growing, you may have done an audit if you have anybody that you have to report numbers to. So if you don't have audits, then you're going to have to do audits for a couple of years to show to the new buyer. There's a lot of catch up work you had to take care of. There was a lot of catch up cleanup. And so it was a, a pretty extensive project. So you wrap this up and you're living the dream in the dark hallway. What happens next? So I ended up, I kind of fell into it, but a friend of mine was actually more a friend of my brother's was starting a business and uh, she needed help. And it was the same time my brother and sister-in-law were expecting their first child. And I said, sure, I'll help you. And then she got pregnant. So I started my own business, which was not even on my radar. I wasn't at this point of oh, I need to get out of the corporate. I need something different. Like I was doing what I thought was expected of me. I was just going through the way life was supposed to go, the way I was raised that it was supposed to go. And then I started this business and I had freedom with my time. And I was flying. I was so happy. And especially with the timing of my brother's new and my sister-in-law's new baby. So when my sister-in-law wanted to come into the city, I would just drop my work, go meet them for lunch. I'd walk around with the, my niece in the stroller and then they'd go back to Brooklyn and I'd go back to work. And I was like, life doesn't get any better than this. And then sometimes I could work from their house. So I would go to Brooklyn and when she was up, I'd play with her. And when she was napping, I would work. I was like, oh my God, life is just amazing. And so, so it's possible. So for those of you in the corporate world or you're in a business that you're like, oh my God, like this is just, I'm doing what's expected of me. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not happy. I'm going to enjoy my life later. It doesn't have to be that way. 
And my big caution is there are so many, Matt, you've probably seen the entrepreneurs that have thriving, growing businesses, and they're working themselves to the bone. Like after the family dinner, they're back in the office going to work until late hours, or the family's going on vacation and they're still working and taking the calls and their business life is great, but their personal life is not. Well, that's what I was going to say is when you're, when you're in corporate, you had a unique place where you were actually working a lot of overtime, uh, but very often people are at 40, 50 hours a week, whatever it is. And then you go and do your own business. My first boss, I remember, you know, his joke of the day was when you go self-employed, you get to work half days. You just pick AM or PM. And I was like, you know, there's something to that, that 12 hour day, because it's about projects. When you started your business, Nancy, did you, was it this, were you doing financial services or was it something completely different? You know, some people have a dream of like, you know, starting a beanie baby company and other people take what they were doing in the corporate world and transition it to doing it for themselves. What was your uh, basis? That one was actually completely different. My friend wanted help making with a jewelry business that she started. Oh my gosh. And she's like, are you creative? I said, I don't know, but certainly if you teach me how, I'll help you fill your orders. And she taught me how in the first pair of earrings I made, somebody bought off of my head. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so much fun. Let's do this. So I, I did a complete 360, or I guess it would be 180 because it's a, an about face. And making the making the jewelry, selling it, like uh, doing something that I enjoyed that I didn't even know existed and making money at it. And I had freedom with my time. And who did the numbers for the business? Were I you did. like, <laughs> I was going to say, are, are you like, you know what, I'll take care of it. Or, Hey, I'm getting far away from this thing. So it's so funny. <laughs> so you took care so of when it. When we first started, I was helping her and then, so we were doing it together in the beginning and then um, she got pregnant again. So then she was not moving forward at the same rate. And this was my sole source of income. So we ended up splitting and I went full on doing it myself. And it was very funny seeing the difference. She was more creative and I definitely had not given up my accounting side yet. We would go shopping for stones and we'd get all these semi-precious stones and we'd be so excited and she'd want to start using them. And I'm like, oh, you can't use them yet. I didn't put them in my Excel spreadsheet because we have to keep track of inventory. How many stones are in the strand and how many per bead? And like, you can't just use them right away. <laughs> <laughs> and what a great lesson, you know, because that's not the history of most, I, I think most, you know, small business startup homepreneurs, you know, it's like, all right, let's, let's get some stones and let's get some metal and let's make some jewelry and, you know, we'll just buy it for whatever it costs and then we'll try to sell it. And if we have money at the end, we'll buy more. And when you went into this, I just want to kind of sidebar on here for a sec. You even when it was small to start up, you're not even making money yet, or you're just beginning to do that. You still would you say that you went in with more of like a, I guess a larger company vision or a larger company system of thinking and operating, even at the small level, or did you have to really build things up like systems as you went, or did you approach it and say, hey, this is all the stuff we're going to need in place. Let's start putting it now, even when we're small, we've only sold three pieces. Does that make sense? 
It totally makes sense. And how did you I, approach it? I made my I made some mistakes with that business that I have I learned the hard way, and now I teach others not to make the same mistakes. I did not have that big pe- big picture end in mind. I was I knew enough of my numbers to figure out my pricing and to at the smaller minute level, but I will say that I did not keep my eye on the most important numbers for the business on the big picture. And when the economy turned and the business, I didn't see the warning signs because I really wasn't watching the most important numbers. I was too in the detail and in the minuscule and it's a, it's a big lesson that I teach everybody now. It's like, you got to know your numbers and you got, you got to know the important ones. And so many business owners that I, I've met, like you said, in the intro, manage their business. They work really hard, like I was doing before. And if you're working really hard, you're going to have money. And if there's money in the bank, then I'm doing okay. And I can, I have money to spend, which is very scary because it's not always the case. No, the whole thing's very scary. (laughs) If you you operate it that way. So Nancy, and there's so many people that do. So that's what I'm here teaching everybody. Like it's not scary to know your numbers. And yeah, my mom gets, my grandfather was an accountant. Half of the family members are accountants and my mother gets very stressed when you start talking about numbers and she'll balance her checkbook and that's about it. And she'll complain about it, but she'll do it. Money isn't scary and budget is not a bad word. Tell me, tell me, let's redefine budget because I think the the words I hear a lot are discipline feels like a four letter word budget yeah. feels like a four letter word it feels like scarcity lack i'm missing out yes. i know that's not true i love yes. my budget but i have a tough time sometimes explaining to people why i love it so much can you from your perspective kind of reframe budget for us and why every business owner needs one if they want to have free time absolutely and i love this quote from john maxwell a budget is people telling their money where to go instead of wondering where it went. That's it. Isn't it great? So all a budget is, is if everything goes the way you expect, if you make the money you're expecting to make, if your expenses are the way they, you expect them to go, will you have money left over at the end of the year or at the end of the period, the month, whatever, the quarter, the, at the end of the time? And What's really great is that it hasn't happened yet. So if you don't like the bottom line, you now still have options. You have the time to adjust and to correct it. So if you the but if your profit isn't as big as you'd like, then you can make more money by either selling more, raising your prices, increase your revenue, decrease your expenses. And you start to look, well, I need to cut my expenses. What, where is their flexibility? Can I renegotiate prices 
can, do I really need the maximum phone plan? Do I really need the whoop-de-doo version of this? Or you do a combination and you can kind of play with the numbers. And as you're going along, it's, you compare your actual to your budget. Hey, I'm making more than I thought. This is great. I have more money to invest, or I could do that extra marketing, run those ad campaigns, or I could invest in more team because I'm doing better, or oops, I'm not doing as well as I expected. I better take some action now. So what can I do? Can I run a sale and generate more fast cash? Can I cut, cut an expense? Like, what can I do? But you still have time. And it's just letting you know, like, if you're on track or not. Did I lose you? Oh, you're on mute. Yeah, imagine, you know, going into a, <laughs> a, a diet plan of, you know, an eating plan, fitness plan, and two months in, you've never weighed yourself and you've never measured yourself. You didn't measure yourself in the beginning. You're not doing it now. How in the world do you actually know if it's effective? How do you know if you're getting what you want? Um, so I love falling in love with numbers and your budget. Um, do you have to be a math I don't know. Do you have to love math? Because like you said, you know, when you talked about your side of the family, like I love math naturally, but if I say fraction to my wife, she wants to cry and she just is, you know, she's an artist and a creative um, and we're very polar opposite that way. So for the creatives out there, you know, and I know it's not mutually exclusive, um, but for the people that aren't fans of math, how do you approach your numbers and maybe with a different psychology or a, or a mindset what coaching do you give to people who are like, I don't know any of this stuff? Do you outsource it or do you change it in your mind? What do you do? And even if you outsource it, it's important for you to know your own numbers. I agree. You know, even you don't have to be the one to do it, but don't be so hands off like that. You don't know how your, your business is doing. This is your business. And the, you can look throughout history and not even recent history, but most of the businesses that blow up are because of, um, they weren't looking and there was a trusted employee that was taking advantage or they didn't know what was happening. And they, they trusted other people to run the business because they were just so busy doing the thing that they loved about it. And the part of the business that they love that they weren't looking at the numbers. So even if you're not the one doing it, you still want to have your finger on the pulse of it. And for the people that don't like numbers, don't think of it as a math equation, because I understand a lot of people don't like math, but what do the numbers represent and what's the story it's telling you? Financial statements are telling you a story and if you're looking at the, the trend over time, month over month, is your revenue going up or is it going down? The numbers are telling you a story. I love that. And I mean, that's one of our primary uh, things here on The Driven Entrepreneur is talking about the, the entrepreneur story and the story arc of what, where you came from, where you're going. So your numbers can be um, like chapter headers, they're telling you what's going on. So you're looking at, I know you talk about Nancy, a few different critical numbers to be able to look at 
Again, if, if you want your business to thrive, you want to be able to step back and end some of the overwhelm. The key to that, according you know, to our conversation here, is to get really in touch with those numbers and knowing where they are. What are a few of the critical ones, the crucial ones that we need to, no matter what, look out for? Teach us um, as if I'm in kindergarten, because I sometimes feel like <laughs> I am. <laughs> you know what? And that's one of the things I do is I break it down to make it really simple for oh, good. my clients. And I do have a free gift, which I gave you the link for. So I know you're going to put it in the show notes, but the three crucial numbers you need to measure for a thriving business and more free time. So you can get a little bit more details if you just download this report. But to give you the top side view, the first one is your gross profit. So if you take the revenue that you make from your sales, from your primary business, and you subtract out the expenses that you must incur to do those sales, if you're making a product, the cost related to making that product and getting the raw materials shipped to you and the the cost of the materials. If it's a service-based, let's say you're a massage therapist, what do you need to deliver your massages? Whether it's the cleaning of the sheets, the actual sheets themselves, the oils, whatever you need directly related to the sales. So you subtract those expenses from the revenue and that's your gross profit. That's a really, really important distinction. So you have your gross, is it gross revenue and then gross profit? Yep. So okay. the gross revenue minus your expenses is your gross profit. Very, very good. And, and, if and even if it's not, not a, a good number. Even if it's or, not jewelry or something, right? It's uh, right. so for, I, I think it's just important again, just guys think about this. Even if you have a service-based business, you're a coach, you're a speaker. So Nancy, if, if I'm a speaker full-time, a coach full-time, would airplane tickets to go to events and hotels and things, would that all go into that top line to into yes. uh, before gross revenue? Yes. Okay. All right. Keep going. Well, it's not before gross revenue. It gets subtracted. Or before gross from, profit. Right. That's part, exactly. It's expenses related from the gross revenue. And the, like I was, we were saying before, if your gross profit isn't a high enough number, or if it's trending down, you have options. It's not like, oh, that's the way it has to be. If it's not high enough, you can raise your prices, you can cut your expenses or a combination of both. But if you don't have a positive gross profit, then your business will never survive. You, you can't survive if you're not making money from the thing that you're selling or producing. But Nancy, what if it's my passion? What if it's my gift? What if it's just what I was called to do? Do I still need to make money then? <laughs> well, I would hope that whatever you're making money from is your passion. So it should be your passion. And you should make money from it. And oh, you should make money. I just, otherwise, because it's a hobby. It's a ministry. Exactly. It's a gift. If you want to give your gift to people, have fun. But if you want to have a business, you do need to make exactly. money. Yes. And the, I, I've met so many people. You know, it's, you know how many people have issues about 
money and I can't make too much money and I don't want to charge too much. Oh my gosh. Don't get me started. Right. <laughs> but you know what? The one thing I wanted for all of those um, kind hearted service-based people that just, you know, I want to do good in the world. Yeah. You're so sweet. So sweet. Well, you know what? I, I want you to make more, even more money because the, you, the money in your hands will, you will do so much more good in the world. We want those passionate, good, kind-hearted service, like service-oriented people to make money. Because if you have the money in your hands, you're going to do more good. The people that are really selfish, that don't really care about the environment, that don't care about other people, that don't care about anybody else, they're going to go out and do not such good things with the money, or they'll do things for themselves. We want those people that are loving and caring and motivated to do more. We want you to be more successful. We want your business to thrive and survive so that you can do more good in the world. Yeah, there's no reason why someone doing good in the world has to make a choice. Do I follow passion? Do I do something good? Or do I have to follow the money and be selfish? I think that's a myth. It's very old. And to right. your point, Nancy, if the good people out there aren't making the money, who is <laughs> the alternative? So let's let's get more good people doing great work and making great money because of it. Um, exactly. So Nancy, tell us, you have, again, this the three crucial numbers you need to measure for a thriving business and to have more free time. Um, so we're talking about those real quickly. What are the other couple of numbers? And then uh, where can we grab that? Because you have, you said this was a, you were setting up a gift, which I think is pretty cool. We will put that in the on-demand show notes. Very, very cool. But guys, this is a report Nancy's put together that just straight up identifies exactly what you need to be looking at. And it frees you up so you don't have to look at every single detail all the time, but a few of the critical, crucial places that you do need to look at in your business if you want to be able to step out, get out of overwhelm and have more time. What are the other couple numbers? And then where can we find that gift? Okay, perfect. So the second one is your net profit. So this is your bottom line. The first one was just telling you if what you are making or selling is profitable. But there's a lot of other expenses in your business. You have all the overhead stuff, your rent, your phone, your you know, everything else. So now you're going to take out all of your other expenses. And now is that bottom line? So that's your net profit. Is that a positive number? So, and you want that to be positive. But we want that no, to be positive. Yeah. And like over time, you know, month over month, you could have you know, don't beat yourself up if you have a slow month. And it's really good to know, especially if you've been in business for a while, what your trends are. Like there are some businesses that are very cyclical or seasonal. So those people that measure their business success by whether or not there's money in their bank will not have the money on the slow period. That's right. So, yeah, in January, if you're a holiday business, you're going to think you're doing amazing, buy new equipment, all the stuff. And then by July, you're burning at, burning out and figuring out what am I going to do next and going into debt or who knows. Exactly. So oh. if, you, if you can, you're watching and you're pacing and you can see, like I have clients that know, like the, there are a couple of months in the year that are really quiet. So they have to, they plan for it. 
like, okay, I know I need to make more money in these months and save the money to cover the bills and cover the rent for the, the quiet months. So yeah, very you, good. And then real quick, what's the, the last number we need to look at? So your revenue producing activities, look at the time you're spending and you want to look um, like how many, how, what's the price of your sales? And so you want to take the money that you want to earn. Let's say you want to make $10,000 a month. And if you're selling a $1,000 product, and I'm going to keep the numbers nice and easy so that you can do Thank really you for that. easy math. So if you want to make $10,000 in a month and you're selling a $1,000 product, then you divide the thousand into the 10,000. And now you know that you need to close 10 sales in the month in order to hit your target. And if you know that you need to close 10 sales, now you have a goal, you have something you can achieve. And then you know if you're gonna be on target to hit your revenue. So as you're closing your sales and as you're making your sales calls, you know if you've got to you know, buckle down and say, all right, I got to make a lot more calls and how many calls do I need to make to get those 10 sales? You can really start setting up revenue goals you set up and then that produces and turns into what revenue generating activities. How much do you need to call? How much do you need to go out? How many clients or products do you actually need to sell? Exactly. And that's neat because I, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs will start with a goal of, I want to make this much money and then they just go to work or they have a goal of, I want to get 10 new clients or I want to sell a thousand widgets and then they just go to work for it, but they're not actually bringing the two together, right? The, the amount and the, and the items or, you know, the amount of customers bringing that together with the revenue goals and break, because one leads into the next, yes? Absolutely. And the problem with the, when people don't bring in, bring them together is that sometimes they set revenue goals that aren't realistic. Because let's say you're selling a $100 product yep. and you want to make $100,000 in a month. Do you, is that realistic for you to be able to sell that many products? Well, yeah, I went to a seminar and someone said, set a big audacious goal. So they said, I'm going to make a million a year, but that comes out to 83,000 a month, you have a hundred dollar product. And all of a sudden, <laughs> that's your, right? how many do you need to sell? You're, you're a little bit or a lot bit out of the reality. And I'm all for setting big goals, right? I'm sure you are too, but what's your kind of last bit here? What's your take on how big of a goal to set versus how much reality to take in? How do you find a good spot, a good goal setting area? So it has to be somewhat realistic. It has to be realistic enough in your brain to be able to swallow it. Like just a little bit outside of the comfort zone. So it's a, a bit of a stretch, but not so much because we've all done that. We've gone to those seminars. I've gone to them too. Says I'm a millionaire and I'm going to manifest it. And just because I say it, it is so. That's right. Your subconscious mind says, bullshit, you still can't pay your bills and you're still broke or you still can't do, you know, you still can't, your brain just discounts it right away. And I love the, uh, I listened to a program from Andy Dooley and he described it the best way for me. And my brain was instead of saying I'm a millionaire and your brain can't 
accept that. It's um, becoming, there's like, you have to have a bridge statement. I'm beginning to be, you know, I'm beginning, I'm allowing the opportunities, I'm becoming. You know, so this way the brain can say, all right, well, I can, I can go with that. I can believe that. I'm on my way to become a millionaire because that's really good. You know, like, because if you believe it and you see it and it depends on who the person is, what, like, I know people that can say they're a millionaire and it's so not true, but they believe it and they are on, they're going to make it happen. And they are so confident going full on. And then you have the conservative ones that are like, yeah, no, I'm not, uh, I'm never going to get there. I'm not. So you want to set something that's a little bit of a stretch, but just realistic enough that your brain can say, no, I could believe that. Yeah, because I think both those people you, you mentioned, I've seen both of them many times, and I feel bad for both because sometimes you, you meet this person. I've been running seminars for 15 years and seen thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs all over the world, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen that personality come up, someone who's just on fire, and it's like, there's you're such a good person. You're so excited. I love it for you. I want you to win. But the, you can see the sparkle in their eye is like in fantasy land, right? And they're just <laughs> so far into fantasy land that there's not even a grip of reality, which tells me it's going to be really hard for them to get traction. Because right. how can you get traction without your feet on the ground, right? right. Uh, Nancy, you are awesome. This is so much fun. Um, as we wind down here, what's the, the best way for people to get a hold of you, connect with you? I know you're uh, super active on social media. And then again, I want you to, to plug this report you have because and you go into some great detail about um, how and what you're measuring in your business so you can get more free time. Guys, this is not so that you can start measuring and taking on more hats in your business. You already have enough hats. This is about getting clear on exactly what to look at so that you don't have to worry about every single detail. Right. Absolutely. And so my website is empoweredwithnancy.com. And if you go to that website, you can book a call with me. You can see what, what are all the upcoming events that I have and speaking opportunities and the classes I teach on productivity. I have a brand new group program coming up that is money dates where People are going to come together and it's a fun, get it done group program where you show up. If you want to come once a month, twice a month, you could come whatever. And we, you have a minute to introduce yourself and say what you're working on. And then everybody goes off camera on mute and you have a solid hour to work on your bookkeeping and then you, we come back together and you declare what you got done and it's accountability. And I'm going to teach about knowing your numbers and it's going to, it's really fun. So there's going to be more information about that on the website. You can book a call with me. If you would like some support, you can do it yourself or you can work with me and get the thriving business and more fun free time faster. And, and you can, of you course, to... get that printable download, get that report, because that is like exactly. in your hands. You can get that instantly right now. Absolutely. Totally free. Go to empoweredwithnancy.com slash free gift. That is my gift to you because I want to help you get focused on the right things and start knowing the most important numbers. 
Nancy, thank you so much. You are awesome. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again real soon. Thank you so much. Me as well. And have a wonderful day. I'm so glad that we got this done today. Yeah, guys, that is the show for this week. Wow. Thanks again to Nancy Abramson. Um, really, really cool. I love talking to someone who has that financial hat, but is not a quote unquote, you know, accounting nerd back in the corner. She loves the stuff, but is a super free spirit. If you know Nancy, she's very creative, very fun loving um, and full of freedom in life. So you can have it all. You can have it all. Uh, and I believe that and Nancy does too. So check out empoweredwithnancy.com slash free gift, get that report and you can book a call, connect with Nancy there. You can follow her on social media. Uh, if you are listening to this live, of course, you can head over to mattbrowningpodcast.com and you can get any, this episode and any other episodes on demand. No paywall, always free. 300 or so episodes are there just for your taking. And you can find the show notes for this as well, where we give you all the resources and social links and all the great stuff. So you can follow me, follow Nancy and get your business thriving. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Remember, you can do it. Get out there this weekend and stay driven. Bye-bye.